thank you, Jesus. Lift our one hand, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your love and kindness, for your tender mercies, we say thank you. We can join King David to say this morning, if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we have been by this time? Your grace and mercy has brought us this far. We commit ourselves to God, to your Lordship, and to your leadership. Speak to us this morning in a language that we will understand. Grant us grace to do what we will hear, and grant me the unction to preach in the way that will bring blessing to your people. And Father, we give you all the praise, and all the thanks, and all the worship for what you have done, for what you are doing, and for what you will do, we say thank you. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. We are talking about altars. Our tweet is a bit today. Uh, altars, we say that an altar is a place where divinity meets humanity. A place in your life where you have constant interaction and relationship with your creator and your maker. An altar is an exalted place where sacrifices are made to a deity. An exalted place where worship is offered to a superior being. Worship is offered to a superior being. And anytime you come across an altar, one of the things you will see is an oath or a vow. When they establish that altar, there's always a vow, there's always an oath, a declaration over that altar. They make that declaration over it. I say altars are so important in the life of the Christian because we are trying to solve this puzzle. How come that we know of a lot of powerful things that God has designed and prepared for his people, born again Christians, but we are not seeing the manifestation of those things in our life. What can we do to activate or provoke, for want of a better word, the manifestations of these things in our life? I said, you should be able, as a Christian, build an altar, a place, a place of deep communion between you and your creator, a place where divinity meets humanity, a reference point in your life, something that you do that you can refer to in times of crisis and say that God remember me because of this thing that I did for you. Amen. And every Christian must have something like that in his or her life. Amen. Somebody said, but Bishop, how about me? God, you know, I don't have anything. Bishop, me, I, so what? What can I render to the Lord? Me, me, I don't have anything. I'm not talking about what you have or what you do not have. Uh, I, I am talking about something tangible that you do. Uh, read the Bible, go to Luke's gospel. Bible said there was a certain woman, a certain woman. She was a widow. She dedicated her entire life to intercession in the temples of God. So an altar is an exalted place where divinity meets humanity. 
uh, it's a place where you render sacrifices to a deity. It's a place where you present your worship to God. And I gave you 12 different kinds of altars in the Bible, starting from Genesis, the Garden of Eden. There was an altar where God met with Adam uh, in the garden. And the Bible said that when Adam sinned against God, God came to that place of the altar, but Adam wasn't there. So God said, Adam, where are you? He said, hey, when I heard your voice, I ran away. Abel established an altar before the Lord. And the Bible said that his altar touched the heart of God. His brother had to kill him because of that. No one established an altar in Genesis chapter 8. He established an altar before the Lord. After the great flood, Bible said that and Noah built an altar and he rendered sacrifices to God and God said that because of what you have done, I will not curse the earth again because of an altar. I told you, Abraham also established an altar. Four levels of altars in the life of Abraham. He also established an altar. Isaac did it. Jacob established an, an altar. Jesus Christ established an altar. Every Christian must have an altar in his or her life. In fact, Paul trying to explain, he said, I present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, who is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will know what is the good, perfect, and the acceptable wills of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Build an altar. Build an altar. Hallelujah. And I explained it last week. Let me say it again. I'm not talking about you going to get some table somewhere and put Florida water on it and water from the Red Sea on it and olive oil on it and then have some seven levels of kennels, red, blue, green, yellow, black, indigo, rainbow on it and say that is my altar. I am not talking about that. You have the crucifix on it. That is not what I'm talking about. It's a place of personal, intimate union and communion with God. Amen. I gave you examples in the Bible. Wherever there is an altar of sacrifice, God will move to do something for that individual who established that altar. But today, let me still talk about altars and talk about worship and prayer on the altar. I'm talking about prayer. David made a lot of profound statements about prayer. One of the things he said that early in the morning will I seek thee, O God. Early in the morning will I seek thee, O God. You should be able to bring yourself to a place where you know that every day between 12 noon and 12.30, I need to spend time with God in prayer. Spend time with God in prayer. I can lock my office. 
and say, within this time, it's my time of personal communion with God, and nobody should disturb me. Every meeting can wait. Every appointment can stop, because within this time, I need to have communion with my God. You should be able to create a personal altar where everybody in your family should know that every morning, between 4.30 and maybe 5.30 in the morning, you are in communion with your maker, and nobody in the family should come and disturb you because it is a time of your personal communion with your maker. You should be able to establish in your life where everybody should know that any time between maybe 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. or 9 p.m., when you call this lady, she will not pick it. When you call this gentleman, he will not respond because that is the time of his or her personal communion with God and nothing should disturb that time. It is a discipline. Any Christian who wants to experience the manifestations of God's power in his or her life must and should cultivate in your life. Do you know that statistics are proving that the average preacher prays for less than 15 minutes a day? Including all the mega preachers, you know, they pray for less than 15 minutes a day. You know why? They are so busy doing the work of God that they don't have time for the God who owns the work. They are so busy doing the work of God that they don't have time for the God who owns the work. You are working for somebody. You need specific instructions from your master as to how to get the job done. You will not talk to him. You will not listen to him. You will not have any meeting with him. And you go about doing the work only for you to realize that you've exerted a lot of energy doing the wrong thing, thinking that you are pleasing your master. Wow. How will it feel like? Or some of you are an engineer. You have your young engineers and those working with you. There is a project. You are a consulting engineer. You have the master plan. You know how things should go. It should go this meters. It should go that meter. It should divert this way. And they wake up in the morning. They don't want to have any side meeting with you. They just go there. And what will be the end result? They will end up exerting their energy, resources, money, and everything, doing the wrong thing because they have not consulted you, the man who has a master plan as to the way things ought to be done. And this has been the problem of a lot of Christians today. We are so busy doing so many things in the name of God that we don't have time for God and with God himself. And that is what is causing a lot of those crashes and casualties in our lives. I keep on saying to folks, if you will spend time on your knees talking to God in prayer, that prophecy that you want somebody to give to you, God will speak to you yourself. You are too busy that when God needs your attention, you won't respond because you are looking for somebody to tell you what ought to be done in your life. 
The, the most wonderful thing is that God has no grandchildren. And at this dispensation, and God is not fighting with anybody. So if you make time for God, he will speak to you. But the problem is that we don't have personal altars. A place of personal communion with our creator. We don't do it. If like the second place of divine altar that Jesus created was in the garden of Gethsemane. Bible said he was in that garden. Very close to his death. And he was on his face praying. Bible said that the sweat that came out of his body was like clots of blood. He was crying, speaking to God at the finishing end of that assignment that God has given to him. Guess what happened? He said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this car pass over me, but not my will, thy will be done. And God sent an angel to come and minister to him. So he was able to accomplish the assignment. But I am praying for the day God will raise again some of those praying women in our churches again. Praying women in our churches who will spend day and night on their knees crying to God on behalf of their children, on behalf of ministries, on behalf of their sons and daughters-in-law, on behalf of their grandchildren. They create and build altars of intercession for born generations. And they do it on consistent basis at specific times with God. When we were growing up, we called it our quiet time moments. So you know every morning, mean between six and this, I'm having my quiet time. You seek the face of God. You talk to God. You cry to God. You, you, you bring your, your supplications and, and needs and intercessions before God. An hour, two hours. You do it consistently to the point that as if you enter into, into, into an agreement with God. God knows that every morning at this time, my son or my daughter will be here calling me. You look at your life. You see how busy you are. And you know how much time you are allotted to God on a personal basis. I was telling them this morning, our first service. Friday night, we came here praying. I was sitting at the back there, interceding. God, God spoke something to my heart. And I said, uh -uh, let me look at this text again. God said that you are cursed with a curse because you live in your great mansions and you've left the house of God in those relations. And God said, I want you to look at it from one angle. Don't, don't look at it only from building, but look at it from the lives of the individuals in, in, in our congregation and churches today. Look at the amount of time they invest in doing every other thing and the time they invest in my house. Look at it. The amount of time and energy you invest on daily basis doing everything. At the end of the day, they reward you with a processed paper they call currency. That's all. And look at the amount of time you spend in the house of the Lord. I was telling them, look, if you are looking for excuse not to be committed to God, you'll find a lot. I can't understand why somebody cannot commit and say that in a week 
Wednesday night is a teaching service. And it doesn't matter what I do. I will make sure that that one and a half hours, I will be in the house of the Lord. To be blessed and to also be a blessing to somebody. I cannot phantom in, in my mind how somebody can say Friday night, two hours, standing together with others to pray. I get so busy within the day that the whole week, I cannot have an extra four hours apart from Sunday morning service to seek the face of God together with the saints of God. It doesn't make sense to me. If you look for excuses, you can find them. Hallelujah. I'll tell them at the first service, uh, waking up early in the morning to go and drop kids at school is another uh, major issue. Hallelujah. And I said, well, I need somebody to do it. I've been debated it for a long time. I said, come on, this can be done. And I made up my mind, I would do it. Every day, later before five, I'm out of bed. And I do it Monday to Friday, consistently, every morning, I'm on the motorway. I do it with joy because I resolved in my mind, it is something that I have to do. Sometimes you don't feel like waking up, but you jump and drink some hot water and lemon in the morning and add a little bit of ginger and now a lot of concussion. Leave me alone. A ginger, that's what they do nowadays. But you wake up in the morning. Put in some hot water, some lime, you drink it, wash your face, wash your face, jump under the shower. You force yourself, hey, it's late, so boom, you go. Because you resolve in your mind that this is an important thing that must be done. Although you are tired, you do it. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, you do it. Sometimes you don't feel like doing it, but you do it. If we can translate and transfer that attitude, a relationship with God, a lot of the battles you fight, you will win them before they start. Uh, you will win the battles before it starts because God will speak ahead of time to let you know what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. You must be able to create personal altars of intercession. I keep on telling you. The girls have a saying. Is that the way they say? If the animal pursuing you has not stopped, you also don't stop running. Is that right? If a dog is chasing you and the dog wants to bite you, as long as the dog has not stopped running, you keep on running for your life. Some of you, it is not dogs chasing you. It's lions and crocodiles. Because the entities you are dealing with they are jaws, a terrible jaws. And you should be able to be in constant communion with the one who will grant you the grace, the power, the know-how, and the authority to execute that victory over that kind of enemy who is fighting against you. Oh, amen. I said amen. The promises, they are there. God has not changed. And he will never change. He still remains a faithful God. Like Paul told Timothy, according to the prophecy that have gone ahead of thee, with them wage a good warfare. With them wage a good warfare. How I pray that prayer must, must return 
to our churches again that you can come to church Sunday morning and we can say, I'm giving exhortation for 10 minutes. Let everybody stand on your feet and let us raise some spiritual warfare and battles against the operations of the enemy. There are certain things we can intercept them and stop them. Before the enemy even thinks of doing something. The last time I checked, Bible says that he can abort every program of the devil. But the church is not praying anymore. I'm talking about on individual basis. Building altars of personal communion with God has vanished. And we are jumping from one place to, to, to the other seeking directions when God is saying, if you can spend just a little time before me, I will speak to you as to what you need to do to get out of that mess. My wife was telling me yesterday, we, we, we went to Atomata Forest and I said, when she said that, I shook my head and I said, if the trees in Atomata Forest have lived to testify labadis, the forest did not start where they are praying now. That's where we started we started it closer to the railway line there. Go and ask Bishop Ademi, sir. He will tell you gospel light. And we have patakaris that we wear. You have your gallon of water. And that is all that you need. And we seem so like I need no other arguments. I need no other blade. God, something must happen. We pray ourselves out of the onslaughts of the enemy. Because we were men and women of intercession. What you see today in the church is as a result of endless hours of intercession by certain people, they pay sacrifice to bring that bear. And today, magicians have put on gown and they are calling themselves prophets. And because those who should do the right thing are not doing the right thing, we've allowed the door to be opened. And they are leading the flock of God astray. Men who should rise up and do what ought to be done. Also they are all sleeping in the comfort and in the name of blessing. No! If the blessings of God will stop you from having communion with God, one of these days, God will cut off your blessing so you come back to him in your prayer chambers. I say, if the blessings of God upon your life will stop you from having communion with God, one of these days, God will cut off all the blessings so circumstances will force you to go back and seek his face because God desires more of his communion with you than all the physical things you're enjoying. Memory lane. Sometimes you go into certain crisis and you suffer, you lose your sleep. Even if you want to sleep, the sleep will not come. Hey, you pray in English. Sometimes you turn it to your local dialect. You pray in tongues. Sometimes you feel like the tongues is not enough. You sing it. You scream it. You shout it. Sometimes you get to a certain level. All that you can say is Jehovah. 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 Only God understands the interpretation of the Jehovah that you are saying because your heart is crying to God for him to respond to certain things in your life. Church must go back.
to those old narrow paths of personal communion with God. I keep on using the word personal communion with God because there are people who sit in our churches today. They have congregational relationship, but they don't have personal communion. They don't know God for themselves. So in the midst of the slightest storm, they are crying and looking either for the latest prophet on the block or somebody who has a magic wand to everything. You submit and subject yourself to unnecessary manipulations because you don't want to see God for yourself. Because you don't want to do it. Because you don't want to do it. Amen. Oh, I'll be the saddest pastor if after all these years of preaching, I'm not able to bring you to a place where you will develop a personal communion with God. And you can say with the apostle Paul, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. Come to that place. Why well, I said, come to that place. Where you can walk to this place and say, hey, hey, uh, Bishop, you can be up there. I need to spend some time with God. You stand here alone. You cry your head out. Come and lie down on the altar and say, God, do something for me. Praise the Lord. I believe you've been blessed by this message for the next seven Sundays, I'll be teaching on how you can see a raw manifestations of God's power in your life, how you can position yourself for your prayers to be answered, how you can move into realms of the miraculous interventions of God's power. Seven Sundays on the road, I will be preaching. It's going to be a mighty wave of the prophetic manifestations of God's power. Dear friend, do make it a point and join me in at Word of Life Christian Center, Cathedral of Hope, Manetco Junction on the Sprinters Road. You just call me 0208-525-001 and we'll direct you to the place. My name is Pastor Isaacwe and I'm personally inviting you to come and experience these supernatural encounters of God's power. Do come and your life and destiny will never be the same. God bless you.